Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is a Mac Voices briefing about something that happened to me. I wanted to share it with you in case it starts to happen to you, and maybe you can stop it or prevent it. A couple things here. First of all, uh, the story has a happy ending. That's the really good news. The second thing is that along the way, I will talk to you about what should have been warning signs to me, but I was writing them off as just circumstantial or coincidence or whatever, and that's probably never a good thing. So here we go. I bought a new sofa and obviously wanted to sell the old sofa because it was still in pretty good condition. Put the sofa in my garage and decided to try to figure out the best way to sell this. Now, I'd heard some good things about selling items like used furniture on Facebook, on the Facebook local groups, so that you can sign up for something and it's only distributed to the people local to your area. Figured I'd give it a shot. So I found a couple of these local groups, signed up for them. It took about a day and a half to get confirmed to join the group. I was asked to confirm that I was a resident of the area that I was talking about and that the items were going to be sold in the area that they addressed. Fine, that's great, done. Once I got approved, I post, took some photos of the of the sofa from all angles and posted them to the group with a price that, frankly, was a little higher than I really expected to get. But I wanted to leave myself some negotiating room. Posted everything and waited. In about 24 hours, I had an email from Betty who said that she was interested in the sofa, wanted to know if it was still available. Could I please let her know at this Gmail address? Now, that might have been a warning sign, but I know how much I dislike Messenger and trying to go back and forth in Messenger. So the email address, frankly, was something I, I could have would have done if I were uh, a buyer. So I didn't think too much about it. Wrote back to Betty. Yes, the sofa is still available. She wrote back and, and asked me to delist the uh, the sofa from Facebook so that it wouldn't be sold out from under her and she wasn't bidding against someone to get the sofa. Again, you know, that seems pretty reasonable, and I'm not sure that's a really big warning sign, but maybe not exactly what was expected. The next email said that, unfortunately, she and her husband could not come to see the sofa, that they were out of town planning uh, and arranging for their daughter's wedding, so they would need to send movers to pick the sofa up. Another possible warning sign, but knowing how much time I've spent in and out of town and trying to hit an appointment like that is important. The, the, the big warning sign there should have been that you don't buy a sofa without sitting on it, and especially not a used sofa. But on the other hand, yeah, okay, you want to buy the sofa, that's fine. You want to do it sight unseen, that's fine with me. She offered me an extra $100 to hold it until they could arrange for the movers and to let the check get cleared. Okay, that sounds pretty good. For an extra $100 over my asking price, which I thought was already a little bit high, uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll hold it, no problem. So I asked her to send me the check. I gave her my home address and, and, um, and name. That probably was a mistake on my part. I probably should have given a business address as opposed to my home address, but it ended up not really having any effect on anything. So while I was waiting for the check, I get another email from Betty. And she said, oh, my husband's secretary made a mistake. We sent you too much money. So I'm going to ask you to pay the balance of the money uh, beyond what we owe you 
to the movers as part of their payment. Okay, that's a little bit unusual. Fine. Um, so the check arrived. And the, the mover thing should maybe, again, have been just a little bit of a warning thing. But, you know, you, hey, it's an extra hundred bucks. Great. So the check arrived. Another warning sign popped up that the return address on the, the FedEx envelope, and it was not mailed by U.S. Postal Service. So if if... If it if it was legitimate, um, it would have, I think it would have probably been sent by regular mail. Um, but with the FedEx thing, yeah, okay, they're in a hurry. That's fine. But that also avoids uh, mail fraud charges. But anyway, the so the return address was not quite right. So I looked up the return address. It was from a, a business address, but not one that was local. It was about an, an hour away from my home in a small town. And it was a business address. I looked up the business. I found it on LinkedIn. I found the officers and everyone on LinkedIn and, and several employees, none of which had Betty's name, first or last, uh, as, as an employee. A little strange here. So opened up the, uh, the envelope. The check was for $400 more than the $100 plus my asking price. And this and the check just did not look quite right. Uh, the paper didn't feel quite right. The other thing that jumped out, there were no addresses on this check. Uh, it and, and it appeared to be, a, again, a business check, but there were no addresses listed anywhere except uh, my name and address. There was not the business name. There was nothing else. So in essence, it might have been like a starter check uh, that you get before for a business before you actually get your printed checks. So I took it to my bank and asked them, you know, what they thought. And they agreed with me that it didn't seem quite right. They couldn't make any final or full determination without putting it into the system and warned me that if it was a bad check, I could end up with bad check charges. I definitely would be out the money or would not get the money, I should say. So, okay, so I decided not to deposit the check. Came back to came home to an email from Betty that said, "Did you get the check?" And also that they wanted to get the movers there this week, and that they would pay me an extra hundred dollars yet again to be available when the movers got there. Okay, you know this. I'm still not feeling real good about this, but this is the part where this was sort of the final straw. But the movers would not accept cash. They would not accept check. They would only accept payment from one of these two payment services. And these were not PayPal or, or Venmo, anything that you, are, you and I are familiar with. They were completely off-the-books kind of payment services. I looked up. They did have some apps in the App Store, but you know, they, they've almost no reviews, no nothing. So I went to the local police department and asked them to take a look at it. And they said, yes, they've seen this before. That the, the the hook is that they're trying to appeal to basically your greed. They're agreeing to pay your price plus plus they're going to pay you an extra hundred for this, an extra hundred for that. You just need to be the one to pay the movers and through these services. And of course, once you do, the money is gone. Even if you waited for that initial check clear at the bank, the the check may or may not, in fact, it won't clear 
later, the whole the full system. So you end up getting a notice saying, hey, this X number, hundreds of dollars that you thought you already had confirmed with your bank was good, is not. They pull it out of your account. Meanwhile, you have paid the movers through these dodgy payment services. The movers never show up. Your money is gone and you're stuck with no recourse. Most likely the return address uh, was one that had been picked out of thin air to be used. So I, I suggested to the police, the only thing I was not comfortable with is now somebody has my home address. And they said, yeah, you know, that don't worry about it. You'll never hear from these people again. So still wasn't quite cool with that. But I, I went, came home, emailed Betty and said, look, I'm not at all comfortable with this. This is way too much money for me to be handling on your behalf. And so I am destroying the check. If you want the sofa, you please make arrangements to pay the movers directly. Please make arrangements to pay me by PayPal, and I'll wait to hear from you. And, of course, I never did. Complete scam. So there you go. You know, it, it was real easy. I mean, the first $100 was great. You know, sure, hold it. I, I, you, you must want the sofa bad. It's a, it's a great sofa. It's still in really, really, really good shape. But uh, there are just too many warning signs along the way that you really need to pay attention to. There is an epilogue to the story. Uh, obviously, the sofa was not sold, so I put it back on Facebook, back in the local group. And about 24 hours later, I got an email from Jessica who said she was interested in the sofa. Great. Thank you, Jessica. Except Jessica said, my husband and I are out of town planning for our daughter's wedding, and we won't be able to come by and see the sofa. So I emailed Jessica back and said, sorry, been down this road before. Thanks, but no thanks. Never heard from anybody again. I'm still trying to sell the sofa, by the way. So if you're in central Pennsylvania and are looking for a really good deal on a good sofa, contact me. Otherwise, just maybe take this as a little bit of a blueprint for how at least one of these scams works and why you want to be extra alert to all the little details. And for heaven's sake, go and ch check with your bank. Check with the local police department if, if you think anything is even a little bit questionable. Uh, my The bank told me, and this was fascinating to me, that they spend fully a third of their time dealing with issues and frauds like this. The police department said that they've seen these before, but usually it's after the fact, after somebody's been scammed out of the money. And of course, there's nothing they can do at that point. Uh, they did make a recommendation. Now, you can't do this with a sofa, but if you have something small like electronics, maybe an iPhone or an iPad that you want to sell but you're not comfortable having the person, uh, if you don't know them, come to your home or whatever, don't meet them in a parking lot somewhere. Don't meet them at the shopping mall. Meet them at the police station in the lobby. The, the police, they said, were more than happy to, uh, to not necessarily have anybody come out and oversee the transaction, but to do it there. And the fact that you're suggesting that it be done in the lobby of a police department is going to send any potential scammers the other direction. So there you go. There's one more piece of information. So please pay attention to those little details if you are doing online transactions of this nature. Don't use dodgy third-party services. And if you're going to sell things on Facebook, be extra careful because even the local groups apparently are not immune from this kind of thing. I hope you learned something. I certainly learned a few things along the way. Until the next time, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Please stay safe out there. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. 
get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page, and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices, or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.